Hello and welcome to the program UFO Warning. In this episode we're talking about the Hudson Valley UFO wave. That's correct, the Hudson Valley UFO wave. Now in the early 1980s, the Hudson Valley region in New York experienced a series of notable UFO sightings that captured the attention of the locals and UFO enthusiasts all over the place. Witnesses reported seeing large boomerang or V-shaped objects with bright lights moving silently across the night sky. Now these sightings occurred over an extended period of time from around oh, 1982 to 1989 and involved a significant number of eyewitnesses including police officers and other credible individuals. Despite extensive media coverage and investigations, the origin and nature of the Hudson Valley UFO sightings remain unexplained, contributing to the region's enduring reputation as a hotspot for unidentified aerial phenomena during that era. These things were really something. They were such a spectacle that it actually kind of changed the way that uh, the mainline media reported for a little while. And maybe that's because, you know, the Hudson Valley was in a area they perceived to be a cut above the rest of the country. I don't know, but we find this article here from the from the debrief.org and it's dated July 11th, 2022, written by Shaz Zaw. It says, the Hudson Valley UFOs, how the media reacted to 1980s UFO flap. It tells us back during the summer of the saucers in 1947 and for more than a decade after, UFOs were a serious topic in the media. The subject received plenty of coverage as both the public and the government seemed to grapple with what it was that people were seeing in the skies. But by the time Project Blue Book ended in 1969, remember Project Blue Book was a government program, the tone in America's newspapers and newsreels seemed to change considerably. I have to wonder if that had anything to do with Project Mockingbird. Many journalists openly mocked people who talked about little green men and flying saucers. This no doubt pleased the federal government, and many researchers suggested that this was happening by design. Well, it seems pretty clear that it was. I mean, I mentioned Project uh, Mockingbird. That's the, this uh, supposed secret uh, program where uh, CIA has, inf has uh, infiltrated multiple news organizations. I think that has been pretty much proven that we've got several people from the inside working in these things. I mean, just look what happened with Twitter here a while back. So... I'm, the, the, the media is a target-rich environment. I can't imagine that the government wouldn't be in there making sure that uh, their their message was getting out. Just a thought. goes on and says, That wasn't always the case, though. There were some events that generated considerable public attention and were reported on by the press in a mostly sober fashion. One of these was the series of sightings in upstate New York that came to be known as the Hudson Valley Flap. While there had already been scattered sightings reported in an area a couple of hours north of New York City, the real burst of activity seemed to begin on New Year's Eve of 1982. A retired police officer reported seeing a huge V-shaped object with multiple colored lights gliding almost silently over his property. He wouldn't be the last person to report such an event. Many others followed, and by March 23rd of 1983, the local newspaper in Port Chester, New York, was running a front-page feature describing crowds of people claiming to have seen the triangular object. The witnesses who were interviewed included an on-duty police officer named Kevin Suravila, who testified that he had seen the object twice in a 45-minute period after his department had received more than 100 calls. He described the object the same way the others had, saying that he had seen it stop in midair and turned perpendicular before reversing course and heading away 
from view. At no point in the article was there any suggestion of people making up stories or misidentifying something. Well, can you imagine that? There was a time when mainline media reported a mass UFO sighting, just reported the facts as stated by the witnesses, you know, what they saw, and didn't call people names, didn't call them conspiracy theorists, uh, didn't claim that they'd seen swamp gas, didn't uh, impinge their credibility, just treated them like normal people who bought their newspaper, who watched a television channel treated them with the same basic respect that you would treat somebody that you walked uh, that, you, that you met on the street interesting by november of that year the local newspapers were not just covering the sightings themselves but also the people who were flocking to the valley to investigate this activity on november 11th the journal news in white plains new york ran a two-column story featuring interviews with ufo investigators one ufologist from connecticut who was a member of Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, told a reporter that more aliens would probably visit Earth if humans weren't so hostile toward them. A second investigator accused the federal government of having crashed flying disks and alien bodies, insisting they were covering up the information to keep it from the public. Well, 40 years later, man, we're hearing the same thing. The paper even included comments from J. Allen Heine, who described how and why he left in his capacity as a science advisor to Project Blue Book. Heineck also said that researchers were fighting a publicity war with the military because military officials sought to ridicule anyone who reported a sighting. Well, we've talked about J. Allen Heineck before many times on this program and just, I think, recently covered him in the podcast. The sightings were still going on well into the following year and journalists had spread out to explore other possible explanations not involving extraterrestrials. On June 28th of 1984, the Poughkeepsie Journal posted a feature in which they spoke to witnesses who were accusing stunt pilots with small aircraft of flying over the region in a close V-shaped formation to trick people into thinking they were seeing something otherworldly. Yes, that's almost as crazy as the satanic cow tippers out there uh, tramping through the deep uh, woods of Oregon trying to find range cattle to perform surgical uh, mutilations on and leaving no tracks. Nope, we've just got a cluster of stunt pilots flying close together to to, to represent a V-shaped object. Yeah, that sounds really believable to me. Even They even spoke to a police officer who claimed to have followed the planes back to a local airport and spoken to one of the pilots who admitted to pulling off the hoax. Now, they like to call people crazy for reporting UFOs and suggesting that maybe they need a long talking to. But this cop who says that he followed the planes, did they name him? Uh, this, is, this, is where you, this is where you can see that uh, someone's really trying to deceive you. They even spoke to a police officer who claimed to have followed the planes back to a local airport and spoken to one of the pilots who admitted to pulling off the hoax. Now, and then it says the pilots were never named. Okay, now you've told me a story. Now do your work and give me a name to back it up. Show me a source. So you know you're being lied to, pretty much. That's, that's my opinion. 99.99% that this is a lie. Spoke to a police officer. Now, maybe this reporter knew it was a lie when they took down the notes. Maybe they didn't. But they're not telling us who the... This is a huge story. Uh, it's a police officer. They're a public servant. They have to give you your badge number and name, 
but they choose not to tell us this guy's name. 1984 we're talking about. So you can see the kind of parallel narratives that were being constructed after these things were seen. These giant flying triangle UFOs going over the Hudson Valley and the media uh, apparently didn't get their marching orders right away and they started to report the truth. And people were like, wow, these things are cool. Let's go take a look. And I think maybe the government felt like they were losing control over the story. So what do they do? Well, they create a parallel narrative. Must have been, it must have been the secret stunt pilots. I mean, how many stunt pilots are there even in the whole country? But I guess we got a bunch of them together here over the Hudson Valley. And boy, they've decided to trick people. Yeah. And we've got an unnamed police officer that tracked him down and talked to the pilot. Of course, we can't tell you his name either. See, this is the, the problem is when you tell a lie, you have to keep telling lies to cover it up. You know, the old, the old saying, a truth, the truth stands on its own. It's just there. The truth is just there. We saw giant flying triangular shaped UFOs over the Hudson Valley. A hundred of us did. We saw it. That's the truth. But then the government comes along and tries to cover it up with a lie. Oh, well, they were stunt pilots. They were this, they were that. And the lies have to get more and more crazy because they're so easy to disprove that they have to keep piling lies on they have to keep piling lies on top of them. I just saw the other day where we talked about the case in Vancouver where the nurse saw the UFO at the window, and here we are 54 years later, and, and some little guy comes forward and says, Oh yes, we did that. That was a balloon prank. Yeah, we heard about these guys that were filling up these giant uh plastic bags and then using like, I don't know if it's sterno cups or something for a heat source to cause them to rise up in the air. And it was so much fun that I did that. I did that. I let this giant balloon up in the air and it, it, it flew up next to the hospital there. And that's what she saw. So 54 years later, parallel narrative. What did they do uh, with Roswell? You know, we got a crash ship and a couple dead bodies. And I think, I think Clinton was in office back then, and they came out with the whole thing of, of it was a crash test dummy. Yes, we were dropping this, we were dropping this uh, crash test dummy out of the sky to see how he would react. And then it was a weather balloon. First one doesn't work, then the second one. So they just keep coming up with lies to try to cover up the truth. The problem is, no matter how many lies you tell, you can never completely cover the truth. When something's just there, like these giant triangle-shaped UFOs flying over the valley, no matter how much you lie about it, no matter how many different stories you make up, it doesn't matter. They were there. People saw them. That's the truth. Now, you can deny it. You can lie about it. You can claim it didn't happen, but it doesn't change the truth. So then the article goes on a little bit and just basically talks about how uh, this uh, temporary truthful and reporting seems to have impacted how society views UFOs. I don't know. They might be giving the media a little too much credit. Maybe not. Maybe maybe all of the harassment and the name-calling, telling people that they're conspiracy theorists, probably has dampened down people's curiosity or uh, willingness to report these things. Maybe, maybe for this few months in the early 1980s when uh, mainline media was honestly reporting about what people saw, maybe that did have enough of an impact that it encouraged people to go to UFO meetings to for people to put up museums for people to talk about this stuff openly just to have a conversation about it interesting enough now I want to go back to the the actual case of this I found this article on unsolved.com it's the old unsolved mysteries site and it says Hudson Valley UFO were the lights or the Hudson Valley 
really UFOs? Well, they were unidentified. It says, the quiet beauty of New York's Hudson River Valley is home to upscale professionals and retirees. They tend to be well-educated and cosmopolitan, hardly the type of people one would expect to be swept up by UFO fever. Maybe that explains why the media went in there with a kid gloves attitude to begin with. Yet that's exactly what happened to more than 5,000 residents between 1983 and 1986. Ultimately, the entire episode was largely dismissed as a hoax perpetrated by a group of local stunt pilots. However, to this day, many of the eyewitnesses maintain that they saw what, what they saw could not have been a handful of airplanes. Now, how idiotic is that? I'm just going to say it. Did they pull every person that saw this thing? Was largely dismissed as a hoax perpetrated by a group of local stunt pilots. I don't know. I don't even know a stunt pilot. I've been to a couple of air shows. Well, one, one big one. And from what I can see... There aren't that many stunt pilots, I mean, as a percentage of the population. And they probably do make pretty good money. And they are highly professional, from what I can see. I can't imagine that you're going to get a half a dozen or a dozen of these stunt pilots to get together and perpetrate a hoax on an entire area over a period from, now they say 83 to 86, and other sources say 82 to 89. So minimum of three years. These guys are getting together. They're getting up in the morning. Hey, Bob, are you ready for a hoax tonight? And seven or eight of them are getting together and flying their airplanes to the Hudson Valley to put on a show. That's about the most stupidest thing I could imagine. Dennis Sant, a husband and father of five, had worked in local government for 17 years. He led a perfectly normal life. Then on March 17, 1983, Dennis's home in Brewston, New York, was the site of an extraordinary event. It was a very large object. Not multiple planes, object. The structure of it was very dark gray. Had a structure, metallic, almost grinder type looking. The object seemed to be very silent. The lights were iridescent, bright. They stood out in the sky in three, in three dimension. It looked like a city of lights. It just hung in the sky, all brilliant colors. We followed the object around to the backyard. And at that point, a feeling of fright came upon me. Thoughts started to flood my mind. Thoughts of the craft touching ground. Thoughts of an encounter with an alien being. Thoughts of being abducted. All types of fearful thoughts started to enter my mind. I can completely understand that. But Dennis and his family were not the only ones mesmerized by the extraordinary light formation. The author's doing something a little bit sneaky here. Okay? A little deceptive. Now, we just heard the experiencer, Dennis Sant. He just told us that this thing was a structure. It looked like it was made from metal. He told us a specific kind of metal. He described the lights. Okay? This is an object. But then these guys, they go down into the uh, next paragraph, and all of a sudden, it's a light formation. No, it wasn't a light formation. If somebody sees your car coming down the highway, they might see your two headlights. But believe me, your car is not a light formation. And if they do not get out of your way, they will be run over and killed if they are on foot. Not a light formation, an object with lights. And that's what Mr. Sant said, and seen, an object with lights. A few miles away, traffic screeched to a halt on Interstate 84 as the mysterious object hovered overhead. The Hudson Valley sightings had only just begun. One week later, Officer Andy Sadoff of the Newcastle Police was on routine patrol when he too had an encounter. 
Quote, I was working at 4 p.m. to midnight to her and assigned to set up some radar to look for speeding cars. And I looked up into the sky and saw a series of lights. And at first, I thought it was a plane. It was quite a distance, quite far away, but it was. It was really quite large. As I recall, there were mostly white lights, but there were green lights also. It was alternating green and white lights. It approached my vehicle and stopped, and it seemed to hover. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, what is it? I wasn't afraid. I was just amazed. I was in awe of it. I didn't know what it was. The only thing that I recall the most is I was amazed that there was no noise. There was no humming. There was no engine. There was no sound. I was abs- It was absolutely silent. Well, there you go. The silent stunt planes. Then, just seconds later, the eerie silence was broken by another eyewitness report. At virtually the same time, Ed Burns, a computer engineer and senior manager for IBM, was driving home on the Taconic Parkway 10 miles north of Officers Sadoff's location. Out of nowhere, I got a lot of static on the radio. I thought maybe I was on the wrong number, and then I went over to turn the dial again, and that's when I looked up and saw this craft. It was a triangular ship and the back had to be as large as a football field at least, and there was no noise. No noise. Ed pulled off the highway and joined a group of motorists by the side of the road. According to Ed, they were all staring at the sky, seemingly dumbstruck. I'm not into astronomy, but what I had witnessed that night was not from this planet. The eyewitness reports indicated the object was slowly moving north over the Hudson River Valley. Officer Sadoff and at least 12 others saw it in Newcastle. Ten minutes later, Ed Burns and at least 20 motors saw it near Millwood. Ten minutes after that, the phones began ringing off the hook in the police station at Yorktown. Officer William Wolfe Jr. was a dispatcher on duty that night. Quote, every line kept going. Every single line constantly answered the phone. Another line would light up. I'd answer the next line, and another one would line up. Got to the point, the county parkway stopped. The people were out in their cars. It was starting to get really crazy. I tried calling the cars to find out if they saw anything, and the only one that called, Kevin, said that he would stop in. Officer Kevin Shrevila arrived a few minutes later. He also saw the lights reported by dozens of Yorktown residents. Quote, the object was extremely large. I estimated it to be close to 300 to 400 yards wide. Imagine that, 1,200 feet across. We stopped out in front, facing to the north, and at approximately five minutes later, the object began to appear from the northern horizon. Although Officers Wolf and Suravilla were standing side by side in front of the Yorktown police station, their accounts are entirely contradictory. Officer Suravilla was convinced that he saw a large object with a number of small lights. I would say approximately 16 to 8 lights running in a V formation, approximately 200 to 400 yards wide. I was standing between the lights to see any type of solid structure where he may have basically been staring at the lights himself. But Officer Wolf had a completely different impression. They look like airplanes to me, I said. Kev, I live in an airport and I see these airplanes every day. So they were coming over, he said. Well, you can't hear anything. I said, listen. Then we started to hear a drone. It wasn't one big solid craft, but if you looked at it for like a couple minutes or even a fraction as it was coming over, I could see where some people would have gotten upset. So there you go, one debunker. Some people can look right at these things and not admit what they see. That's what I think. The guy says, oh yeah, it was airplanes. So a hundred other people call in the police station and they all say, I see a giant triangle flying overhead. And one cop looks at it and says, no you don't, you see airplanes. Who am I going to believe? The hundred that tell me that they see the UFO or the one debunker who says, don't believe your lying eyes. 
Suddenly, the Hudson Valley sightings had taken a dramatic turn. It appeared that the UFOs were a hoax, nothing more than small aircraft flying in precise patterns. And then it says Anthony Capaldi was an air traffic control specialist at the time of the sightings. In the summer of 1983, he made an observation that seemed to settle the UFO controversy once and for all. The first time I observed the formation, it looked a little peculiar. And from our vantage point in the tower, they just appeared to be just one big light because they were flying in tight formation. I don't think if this formation flew over an individual's head at a thousand feet that there's any way you could mistake it for anything but the formation flying due to the sound of the aircraft engines. And I imagine that at a thousand feet, you could really determine that, that it's an aircraft. Well, I imagine that they would be able to hear it even more than a thousand feet. I mean, I, I see small planes fly over all the time and they make a lot of noise. Now, these witnesses all said these things were completely silent. It goes on and says, but not everyone agreed. Philip Imbrogni, an author and UFO expert, spoke to several of the eyewitnesses. The UFO was surely seen before these hoaxer pilots began their night flights. After these hoaxers began their night flights, people would call me up who had seen the UFO on their previous dates and said, well, I saw something strange in the sky, but it wasn't the same thing that I saw a week before. A home video showing a light formation above Brewster, New York, was taken on June 10, 1984 by local resident Bob Fazzale. Philip Umbrugno was convinced the footage showed an actual UFO. It has been looked at by a number of photographic experts who indicate that the movement of the object on the video seems to be one of seems to be one rigid object, not individual objects. Plus, there were hundreds and hundreds of witnesses who saw the UFO and said it was something strange. But the night that the airplanes were seen, there was also dozens of witnesses who said, in fact, that they did see airplanes. And then down below the article here, there's just like, I mean, like a ton of these uh, eyewitnesses who have commented that they saw stuff and talking about when they were kids back in like 82, 83, 84, and they saw these giant triangle UFOs. So what I think you see here is a clear pattern that we see so often in these cases. To begin with, you had... Uh, multiple uh, eyewitnesses seeing this wave of ufos and they describe exactly what they sell you know many of them are cops many of them are people that are considered reliable witnesses uh, it's in an area uh where it's mostly uh well-off upper middle class people and maybe wealthy people so the media comes in to investigate and they meet people that they perceive to be like themselves we're educated. We know more than you. So they didn't come in and they didn't start calling these people conspiracy theorists right away because these were the kind of people that there were their neighbors and friends, people they went to cocktail parties with, went out to dinner with. So they treated them with respect, unlike how they treat most people. And what we, what we ended up with was for a, a little while, we got some truthful reporting. They just reported the facts. They interviewed people that saw these giant triangles of... Uh, hovering over the Hudson River Valley, or a period of years actually, but it sounds like the most intense part of that was about a three-year period. They got the word out there. It, it began to really uh, foster some uh, discussion about UFOs in a positive way. And then somewhere along the line toward the end of that first couple years, I suppose, uh, it sounds like somebody got involved with the parallel narrative. Well, they couldn't they really couldn't get the swamp gas. Uh, there weren't drones to talk about. The only thing they could come up with, which to me is just the, the dumbest thing ever, was that a bunch of anonymous, unnamed stunt pilots got together and did this. They just decided to hoax the whole neighborhood for three years. You know, 
doesn't matter how much fuel for those airplanes cost. doesn't matter where they land the things at. doesn't matter how long they can fly for. doesn't matter that even the best stunt pilot in the world can't bring his stunt plane to a complete stop overhead and hover there. None of that matters. doesn't matter that stunt, stunt planes aren't silent. But they got a parallel narrative going. And you can see the difference in reporting from when I talked about with, when, we, when we focused on the drive, how they talked about report, how people reported on it. And they did a pretty good job telling about what happened, what people saw. And then this here uh, article I just went over from unsolved.com doesn't list an author on it, which I can see why. I think this must be some part of the franchise of the Unsolved Mysteries uh, TV show or something. But they give some of the facts. But a lot of this article is uh, dedicated to trying to debunk and, and spread a lie, in my opinion, that these people didn't see a UFO, that they saw stunt pilots. Well, stunt pilots don't hover. Stunt pilots don't fly silent. They never named a single stunt pilot. And you have to ask yourself, do the anonymous unnamed stunt pilots, does that pass the reasonable person standard? Which seems more likely to you? That a lot of people were so enthralled by seeing this, what they described as this tr giant 400 yard wide uh, triangular shaped UFO with lights all the way around it. They described this thing uh, just kind of moseying over the valley, hovering in places, not making any noise. That's that's what they saw. And then on the other side, after the fact, after all the reports came in, then the debunking starts, then the parallel narrative gets kicked in. And you have to ask yourself, does this idea that a half a dozen or a dozen stunt pilots clandestinely and anonymously got together and pulled off this hoax night after night over three years. And to this day, not a single one of those anonymous pilots has come forward to say, oh yeah, that was me. Yep, I was there. We did this. I mean, think a little just think of the logistics of these guys having to randomly get together over multiple nights, over multiple years, and fly their planes in, in exact formation at night, okay? Not be picked up. I, I'm seeing nothing about these guys being picked up on the radar anywhere. So when you look at it, just ask yourself, what seems more reasonable? That 100 people saw something at night, they, they give you a description of it, that they, that they can't explain it, or that a half a dozen or a dozen stunt pilots, highly skilled individuals with very expensive machinery, randomly got together over a three-year period, maybe a half a dozen to a dozen times, and pulled off one of the biggest UFO hoaxes in history. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.